If I am obliged to bring religion into after-dinner toasts, which indeed does not seem quite the thing, I shall drink to the Pope, if you please, still the conscience first, and to the Pope afterward. It sounds like some kind of subversive, progressive Catholic who really wants to ignore the teaching of the church in favor of whatever trendy thing is out there nowadays, that Scripture and tradition clearly prohibit as sinful. I mean, after all, this quote has been trotted out time and time again in the past 50 years in precisely that kind of situation, except that it was uttered by St. John Henry Newman, whose entire life work, both as an Oxford Don and Anglican minister, and then as Roman convert and Catholic cardinal, was to provide England with an alternative to the intellectual and moral darkness that was encircling it. So, when we hear this quote, what on earth was he on about? Newman was one of the greatest minds of our modern age, and he had confidence that man could discern objective truth about good and evil. But he also knew that we're also terribly prone to self-deception, and so the witness of the church to proclaim the truth in season and out of season was also necessary to make sure that conscience was well-formed. Now, you and I live in an age today which has confused conscience with consciousness. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, we look at a situation and we think about it a bit, and then whatever we've decided, we think, well, that must be right. Follow your heart. Find your truth. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in something. Those are the messages that we hear from the world. But these, my friends, are not the voice of the conscience, but manifestations of consciousness. They mean we're alive, and our brain and our emotions are still functioning, but that is not in itself an infallible guide to right and wrong. A properly formed conscience is where God speaks to us in the heart. And that properly formed conscience cannot err because it prompts us to choose the good and to avoid evil. And that is why we form our conscience by making sure that our consciousness is aligned with what is good, true, and beautiful of what is ultimately the design of eternal wisdom. The Catechism of the Catholic Church in paragraph 1790 states, 
A human being must always obey the certain judgment of his conscience. If he were to deliberately act against it, he would condemn himself. But how are we to have certainty? Well, the unanimous witness of Scripture and tradition gives us infallible guideposts as to what is intrinsically evil and to be avoided, and what is intrinsically good and to be done. They also provide us principles to enlighten us to practical decisions where the good is not always apparent, or where there are competing goods, or where the good only seems to be reachable by an evil means. That is why interrogating our consciousness, okay, what do I want to believe about this? Or just asking the opinions of people who will say what we want to hear is not forming our conscience. Now, as you know, the job of the priest is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And let me tell you, there are many times in talking about the moral life where the comfortable that needs to be afflicted is me, right? There's tons of things in the life of the church that I really don't necessarily want to talk about. But yet, I have to stand before God at the end of time with this beautiful gift of our faith and answer the question, Father, were you a good custodian of this gift? Did you help yourself and others be able to appreciate what is truly amazing about this gift of life lived in Jesus Christ. You know, we hear this term, the disciples of Christ, right? And we remember that disciple means learner. If you stopped your religious education after confirmation class, then we've got a problem, right? Because our faith is an inexhaustible treasure trove of riches that we can always go deeper in. We can always grow infinitely in what is true, in what is good, and is what is beautiful. But in order to do that, we have to open our minds and our hearts to what is true, good, and beautiful. We have to be lifelong learners. And that is why we must take up the task of assiduous prayer, serious study of the Word of God and the teaching authority of the church, and do so in a profound, intentional manner if we are to make the decisions which open us up to a life of beatitude. Now, for the past several weeks, we have been engaged in a deep dive in what the church and her classical spiritual tradition actually teach about authority and obedience. There are many false teachers and corrupt teachings out there, both inside and outside of the church, which have produced a lot of smoke and mirrors. But I think that if you're coming here to hear the Word of God and to let the Word of God truly penetrate your life and change it, then you want clarity and life. 
If you have not been challenged at least at some point during this series, then I've not done my job. I know I've been challenged during this series. But as we have journeyed together through this, my hope is that as we go into the Lenten desert this week, we do so on a firm foundation of who we are as free sons and daughters of a loving God, members of a royal priesthood called to exercise that liberty for the good of human flourishing in this life and the beatific vision in the next.